It's game time. Bill and T and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day T podcast mm-hmm. with your host, my name, D. Hi everybody, welcome to the Game Day Tea. This is another episode that I have coming from the just depths of my heart. <laughs> I love doing this and you are going to love this episode I have. My name is D Gill and I, I do this for the Game Day Tea via Outsports. Usually I talk about LGBT inclusion, I talk to athletes, I talk to, you know, all sorts of people, but today y'all, Today, 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 I have a very special guest on the Game Day Tea. I have comedian, the most fertile drag queen alive, Polly Pop-Tart, joining on the Game Day Tea with me, and I'm so excited. Welcome, Polly. Thank you so much. I am fertile. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) No problem. Let's get right into it. I saw your Instagram page because my partner tagged you tagged me into one of your posts talking about sports i don't know how he found it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how he found it but when i saw it my mouth dropped and we were you do these honest drag stories and make it up as i go these type of stories and your story really hit home and i want to talk about the one two stories but one story i want to talk about first is the um your freshman year of high school and you made the starting lineup what happened (laughs) <laughs> so I, uh, I was, I was, I've always been young for my grade. My parents tried to put me ahead, but apparently I was just so smart. I skipped the grade. So when I joined high school, I was younger than all my other peers and I was a soccer player. Um, and I played on a few travel teams. I like to think of myself pretty good for, uh, you know, for my time. And I tried out for the soccer team, for the Frostoft team, and I made the team. I was really excited as there were only like five freshmen that made the Frostoff team of like 20 people. And that first year I made the starting lineup um, and I was starting center defensive midfielder. I was, uh, you know, an impact player my first year and was really excited about that. Well, and so we're getting to sophomore year. You made varsity. You had an undefeated season. Yeah, uh, we did. How, however, we had a bully amongst uh, your team, and yeah. uh, he caused you some problems. What, what were some of those problems he caused for you? So the problems really started kind of during my freshman year. He wanted the starting spot that I had. Um, Jealous. And yeah, that, I mean, it was very clear. We came into the first, uh, the first practice. We say what position we, we played, and we were the only two people who said we wanted to be defensive mid. That was like, it was very clear on, it's like when you go into drag race and the day one, they're like, what do you do? It's like, oh, I'm a live singer. And you hear something like, oh, I'm a live singer too. And they like glare at each other. And it's like very <laughs> tense, dramatic. It was a little bit that. Um, and I started every game of the season at that position. So from the beginning, there was a little bit of a target on my back. You know, I was also younger and, and smaller, uh, which made me a little bit of a, um, I guess, a bit of a target and I didn't have a lot of peers around me. So at the time I was like, this is purely based off of the sport. This is competition of the sport. Um, and there were, you know, verbal things that were said. Um, obviously I was not the most masculine person then and I'm not now, uh, and I don't pretend to be, but, uh, that was something that I thought was just try to, you know, tear me down in whatever way was most convenient. Um, and then, you know, he also tried to hurt me during practices. You know, 
I don't know how much you know about soccer, but when you slide in studs up in a Ooh. game, you can get red carded. Mm-hmm. It's a very like, um, it, it's not a, it's not something you're supposed to do in like even sportsmen like things during a com- competitive game. Yeah. And he would come in during practices, studs up or with an elbow long after the play and just try to hurt me, his own teammate during practices. Wow. And uh, was he the only one? Did anybody stop him? Did anybody, matter of fact, did any coach say anything? Because that's what I wanted to know. When I was looking at that video telling that story, I was like, now what did the coach do? Because um, that sounds pretty serious. Yeah, so uh, the coach that I had freshman year was different than sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Freshman year, I primarily played fresh soft. I played one game at varsity and scored a goal, um, which I was very proud of. Um, but I played most of the game on, on, on Frost Soft. And in sophomore year, I went up to varsity, which had a very different coach. So neither coach really intervened very much. Um, the varsity coach was a little bit more of like the old boys club type where he was like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to toughen him up. Like he's going to be a better player for it. Like we're taking this type of, Abuse. you know, challenges. <laughs> Gee, yeah. And it's part of what, like the dues that you pay being a younger player. Right. Sort of like a little hazing type of introductory thing to a team. Now, junior year, you were out with a knee injury. Did it even stop then, or was it still like? <laughs> he he told. Am I allowed to cuss and be and say some like vulgar yes, things? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, my junior year, in particular, I mean, he had called me a faggot plenty of times, um, but I remember my junior year specifically. I was like, on like I had my knee brace on. I was on crutches, and I said something to him because he had just like had a hard play and he got pulled out. Um, and he said, you stupid fucking faggot. I hope you go kill yourself. Mm. And he repeated that uh, frequently um, that year. And also, I mean, he said it once or twice the year before, but like mm-hmm. it hit me really hard then because I was already kind of having a, a tough year. And yeah. um, how, how did that make you feel? I, th- I think I was already in such a, such a state where I was not connected to the team that I didn't think about it I try not to think about it very much, but it made me angry and sad and scared. It was like very, it's something that I, I have thought of several several years after. And mm-hmm. that when I was making the video, um, kind of brought up the memories all over again, yeah. um, which has been interesting kind of processing as an adult. Mm-hmm. Did you have someone to talk to? Any friends, uh, mentors, therapists? Uh, any anybody like that to help you through the, that difficult time? I'm very close with my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew some of what was going on, yeah. but you know, I left out a lot of the details, and I kind of just tried to manage it the best I could. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew that there were a couple of days I would like. I left the field. I got into her car, and that was when I cried. Like I cried a few times. Yeah. Um, she saw the TikTok. I, I, sh- I showed it to her, and she said that she had no idea how bad it was. Yeah. Um, at the time, because obviously, like, I didn't want to let on anything about being, being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, the vice principal of the school was someone who I think, now looking back at it, would have been an ally, but I was scared in getting any school administrators involved because right. it it brings more attention to it, and like in the end, what is the outcome? Yeah. And that was, I think, really challenging to see as a kid. Like, what is the actual outcome that comes from this? Mm-hmm. And and so many uh, 
people of the LGBTQ community go through that, especially in high school where we, you may know a little bit about us, but definitely don't really tell the whole story. We don't know who we can trust with our stories or with our problems. And it's something that hopefully we don't have to talk about. We don't have to say, oh, it's, uh, here's a story of somebody holding it in and then this awful thing happened to them the result. And oftentimes there's, as we know, the suicide rate between uh, amongst LGBTQ uh, members of our community is, is high in, in uh, those years of the teenager years in high school. And I do want to switch it to a positive note because right. your senior year, you did the damn thing. So, uh, <laughs> like you did the damn thing. Uh, you were a captain, first team all uh, all league. You actually played internationally. I did. Uh, so I even made another uh, TikTok video about my experience playing in the Maccabi. Mm-hmm. Um, the Maccabi is a fancy way of saying the Jewish Olympics. So Jews from all around the world <laughs> in the respected countries come together for an Olympics. Um, I competed in soccer. Um, and we competed against uh, a bunch of other countries. It was really incredible experience. That's amazing. I recently, my episode that I had put out uh, with a, that gay rugger, he's a rugby player that had just come out and he actually went to the Maccabia. Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Okay, good, good. Because I butchered, completely butchered that on his episode. <laughs> You've had plenty of practice. It shows. It, it, it shows. There we go. See, I'm I'm learning and I'm involving. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, <laughs> so but he played rugby and he, that was so. I, mean, I had never heard of it before. Apparently, Jewish people from all these countries come together and play so many sports. I mean, that has to be huge. so cool. Yeah. Tell me about that. It's huge. I mean. I never thought that there were Jewish people in Malaysia and India and Bangladesh and like any country you can mention. I was like, Jews live in the United States and Israel and they're still (laughs) spurred across Europe, maybe like a little bit. Like you might go to like Hungary and like, oh, there are three Jewish people here. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, But no, Jews are everywhere. And there are Jewish athletes everywhere that are very good. Some of them from other countries played um, professional or semi-pro in their countries. Uh, which was also kind of a really fun experience to to have. Wow, that's amazing. Did you um did you ever do that birthright trip? That I know I have a lot of friends that have done that. Did you do that <laughs> to Israel? So the Maccabiya trip that I went on, it was a uh-huh. month long. And we had a pretty full month of competition, but we also did were able to do some traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, the birthright people call me, and every year I have an excuse. I haven't <laughs> gone on the birthright trip yet. There are gay birthright trips, which I'm like very, like very excited to do at some point. What? Um, That's yeah. Cool. Um, they're not so Tuglit is what uh, one of them is called, but I would love to have one of them named Tuglitter. That would be very fun. There we um, go. But there are gay trips. Um, I haven't gone on any yet, but they keep on raising the age, which makes that I'm still eligible to go. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, well, what's the overall, like, I guess, consists on homosexuality in the Jewish faith? Is it like, have you experienced any of that uh, type of uh, backlash? Or I know in the Christian community, it depends on who you talk to. When, you know, type of faith they have, it's, you know, it's not accepted. So what were your experiences with that? So I grew up in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, in the suburbs of San Francisco. And my mother is a Brooklyn Jew, like born and raised. <laughs> she was around Jewish kids her entire life. Okay. 
My dad is Catholic and from Northern rural Minnesota. Um, and I think that my mother's experience is that um, she sometimes experienced some challenges with different places that she moved in being Jewish and was always very um, cautious about um, sharing our Judaism kind of outside our, our, our circles or our comfortable circles. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that whatever kind of framework she put in worked well because there were never any issues in the, within the Jewish community uh, for my gayness, uh, for my queerness, um, in my experience. Um, when I was in Israel, I was competing in the Maccabi. I mean, we're a group of like 18 year old, 17, 18 yeah. year old, like high school kids are for the first time are away from their parents, oh, right? Yeah. And these are kids from across. And I am like, let me put it this way. Um, <laughs> I had, I was on the most attractive team of any sports team. I was in Israel like there were like 25 different sports teams that we got to meet at some point mm -hmm. um, and ours was like all the women said and I agree that we were the most attractive and I was not out I was not out oh my god but it was a I mean there are four young rowdy <laughs> kids per room um there were some stirrings happening in my body <laughs> I bet <laughs> and there was one point where we had three to a room, but one of the kids didn't like his room. So he was, he joined our room and he shared a bed with me. Mm -hmm. um, nothing happening. I don't want this to like make anybody too excited early on, but the Whoa. point was, I know, I know you wanted it. I know you wanted yes, it. We're about um, to turn this into an erotic podcast right here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can talk sultry if you want me to. Ooh. Um, so this kid, this kid was like from Las Vegas, like the broiest of the bros. And he made a lot of like, that's so gay. And like, I would never like share a bed with a gay guy type of thing. Little did he know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was one, there was a part of me that was ready to come out at one point just to like make that like little dig. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I wasn't ready for that quite yet. Um, it was, it was a very interesting time. And I said that that's the closest that I've gotten to discrimination within the Jewish community. Uh -huh. um, I would say even within my own college Jewish fraternity, mm. um, there were no issues there. We have to take a quick little break, but don't you go anywhere. Don't you sashay away. We'll be right back with the game day tea. Welcome back to the game day tea. I'm your host, D. Gill, and I am talking to drag queen Polly Pop-Tart on this week's episode. So when did you come out then? So I came out in college. Okay. So I pledged my fraternity fall quarter. Um, I actually have a TikTok that will probably be out by the time that this airs, kind of summarizing that story. This will be one of my little, um, uh, my little stories there. So uh, I joined the fraternity. I met out with a ton of girls fall quarter. Mm -hmm. um, and like winter quarter, one of the other brothers who was gay just kind of, Pulled me aside at a party and asked me, and I was very unprepared. And I just kind of looked around, make sure there's no one was watching, and just kind of nodded. <laughs> what you weren't prepared to lip sync for your life, girl? <laughs> I didn't even hear the music, but apparently it was on. <laughs> and when I came out, like me coming out to people was me coming out at the fraternity's weekly meeting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a it's a Jewish fraternity, but it's a frater social fraternity. So the kids just happen to be Jewish. We're not like 
reading the Megillah on a daily basis and just like <laughs> chatting about it. Right. Um, though that is a fun thing to do. And I know that people that enjoy that, no, no shame on that. But when I came out to the fraternity at our meeting, there was a standing ovation at the meeting. Mm-hmm. And going from like, you know, being very scared and how that's going to impact my like social day to day. Cause I, I was about to live in the fraternity house. Oh, wow. Um, so that was definitely like top of mind. So getting that type of warm reception was really exciting. And then literally two weeks later, I had a guy with me at our travel sleep away weekend formal. Mm-hmm. So I, I, um, I experienced, I like experienced my sexuality like very soon after that. Okay. Cute. We have to go and dive into that on another little podcast episode right there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you're in college. Is this going to be for your, for your, for your erotica podcast? Cause that's going to be fun. Yes. You got it. You, hey, you're giving me ideas now. Great. <laughs> so um, by the way, speaking of ideas, you mentioned how you uh, didn't come out to your, uh, well, tell your mom everything about what was going on in high school. I don't really think a really good podcast would be as somebody out there, if you're listening, you can steal this idea if you want to. Uh, LGBTQ people in general, just talking to having a conversation with their mother or father or their guardian, just saying, what here's what I really wanted to say that I couldn't when I was younger. And I think that, those stories would be so amazing. I would listen to that podcast every day. So if somebody's listening out there, do it. <laughs> but uh, back to us though and make little. sure that you tag out sports in that like if you want to do that I mean, tag out sports yeah yes. give us or have my tissues ready it. but uh, yeah. so you're in college and you obviously your athletic background is still apparent because uh, sir your gymnastics acro yoga i mean my partner and i we tried acro yoga in, in the living room and let me tell you i had some <laughs> bruised knees some some palms <laughs> on me and like uh, he he's the taller one he's six two but but he couldn't hold my body weight so i had to get on top and he's just struggling shaking and so tell me how tell me how you like got into that i mean like those videos if you want to see his uh, videos where can they see your videos of acro yoga at uh, acro yoga i've got a couple on um so my husband and i have a flexitarian husband's instagram <laughs> um we haven't updated it in a bit, but there are some on there. I also have some of my gymnastics videos. I haven't mentioned this yet, but I did competitive gymnastics as a kid. Oh, um, right. So that was Come kind on. of the impetus behind a lot of the acro yoga and acrobatic stuff that you've seen mm-hmm. post about. Yeah, I do. Yeah, mind. so <laughs> I think I think growing. I mean, I did competitive gymnastics from age of six to ten. I was on the Olympic track. Mm-hmm. My like mo- my thing that I like to brag about is that I was state champion twice, and I beat someone who eventually made it to the Olympics. Ooh. But that was when we were 10 and like, who cares when you're 10, right? Um, that's a, that's, that's fine. a good brag though. <laughs> I will I will say that to the day I die. Um, I have it written on your casket. Yes, it'll be Please there. Be very, it'll be very, very formal, very, very publicized. Yes. Um, so yeah, I did competitive gymnastics and actually my claim to fame in soccer. So, um, you know, I was a talented player, but the thing that made me stand out to college scouts, I did get recruited to a couple of uh, D2 and D3 schools mm-hmm. um, and pretty much any team that I, 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 I not auditioned. Wow, I've been a comedian for a long time um, that I tried out for. I made because I did this thing called a flip throw-in. Mm. Uh, and I'll probably have some videos on that. My parents sent me some old footage. Um, and it's basically where you run, you put your head on the ball, you put, flip your feet over your head and you throw it in. And I could throw it probably about 50 or 60 yards. Wow. Um, so the ball will go out maybe 10 yards past the half line and I could get it into the 18 yard box. 
um, turning any throw into an offensive opportunity for any team that I was on. Mm-hmm. And you best believe that there were a lot of you know newspapers that picked up on it and whatnot. And it was one of those things that I loved doing on the soccer field because it was like a surprise moment. It was a wow moment. It was like a drama moment. Like people did not come to our soccer games very often, but <laughs> once people started to see what I was doing from the, from, uh, from the sidelines, yeah. um, that became a more popular place for people to go. And there was not an empty seat when we played in our playoff spot on a, at a home game in, in high school. Yeah, um, that was that was the primary driver behind most people. Uh, the school paper did a, did a thing on it, and everybody was at the field. It was really exciting. Yes, you stole the show, just like just true, like a true drag queen would. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever and whenever I can. There you and I go. think that, and then one of the one of the great things I think that is um, thought about in a lot of gay athletes' minds is like this idea of like competition in sports and like being at this like very high level of competition doesn't always um doesn't always last forever right and there's like kind of a fear between this masculinity of sports and this femininity of performance especially with drag mm-hmm. um and one of the things that I've always wanted to do in my drag but I I've even had a lot of reservations about is being closer linked um to sports mm-hmm. um and that having that background be part of the story and performance that I tell yeah and and you those two videos on your instagram page and then your tiktok beautifully told sir um you blended that well for those of you i'm going to give you a sneak peek because i'm not i don't want to tell you everything because i support his content support her content um but she does drag while telling a story from you see from the gluing on the eyebrows to the finished <laughs> product and it is amazing amazing uh how did you even polly even get into drag tell me that story yeah totally so um it's funny how like sports leads to, leads to fraternity and then fraternity leads to drag i'll i'll uh, I'll, I'll fill in the blanks here so in college there's this fraternity dance competition at uc davis where i went to school called aerojam it is a fraternity dance lip sync competition that they do every year. Um, and the gay fraternity is normally the one that wins it. I mean, big surprise, right? Like they're all born dancers and they have the Gaga album on repeat. I'm also one of them. Um, so freshman year, they needed someone to be Britney. And I was not out of the closet yet, but I was like, nobody here has attitude. Nobody here has attitude. So I put on the wig and I think on stage it kind of came alive. And the, the next couple of years, I just loved Aerogym. I was just like, it's the thing every year that I wanted to do. Sophomore year we won, it was like a big deal. Like my best, like my happiest moment of college, I'll say even better than the time where I got my job offer, like February of my senior year. I was like, that is, that is second <laughs> to winning Aerogym. Like that was, that was the bee's knees. So after college, I was like, well, I don't I have all these like ideas for Aerogym, but like I ain't in college anymore. And that's not cute. Right. It's not. <laughs> no. So I had this like phobia of drag queens. I was like, they're weird. They're always sexually predatory and they're making me very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, those three things are still true, but I'm also a drag queen. <laughs> um, my friend recommended, he's like, you have to watch Drag Race. You're going to love it. Like you're going to love it. And at that point, I was like, I have my job after after graduation. I'm just finishing up classes. Yep. And I just started watching it. Um, 
And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the fact that you get to see these people not just in their regalia, but see them as, as their out of drag selves. I don't want to say as boys because a lot of drag queens do identify other than as cis men. Yep. Um, and you kind of get to learn their story and have their story creates this character and production and drag can be funny and silly and campy and stupid. Yeah. So, so stupid. Mm. Um, my friend got me, you know, brought me to the Honey Mahogany show and introduced me to her. Like she was like a friend, like you're on television, you're talking to me. Like this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, she put me in one of her shows um, and I did drag on and off. And then I did like a 365 days of drag names project where I did an original drag name intro every day for a year. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of sparked my like career as a state of comedian um, and drag queen kind of more like on a, on a regular basis. Wow. And how do you, how would you, let's tie it in even more your sports background. How would you say your sports background, your athletic background has helped you out in drag? I guess kind of give you a, like a leg up if you would say. Oh, bitch. Oh, bitch. Let me tell you. The first thing no. that they want, any any producer for a show wants to know, how are you different than any other queen I can book? Mm -hmm. If you can't say how your drag is different than somebody else's, um, all drag is valid. The person will say that. Maybe. But you're going you're gonna to struggle to get booked. Yes. Um, and being able to do a back handspring or a front handspring in heels, it's not a bad differentiator. Um, I also like have always loved professional gymnastics. My like side hobby and fascination is that like I know every single professional gymnast in the world, uh -huh. what they are training and how likely they are to win a medal at the next Olympics. I am like, you know those people that go to spring training for baseball? Yes. Like, have you ever seen the movie Fever Pitch? Yes. That's me with gymnasts. <laughs> I am Jimmy Fallon. I am going to spring training. I'm being like, who the hell are we gonna have this year? Like who's doing Who's been training the off season? Wow, that's amazing! Uh -huh. Damn. And so, I, okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. So, the big skill that has becoming very popular that Nastia Lukin, famous gymnast, hates. It's called a wolf turn, mm -hmm. and it's basically where you squat on one knee and instead of doing a pirouette like when you're standing up with straight legs, you do it in a squat. Ooh. So you're spinning in a squat and balancing on one foot as you're squatted down. Yes, I saw your video. That shit looked hard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what that was called, but now I do. And I can't even imagine, girl. It's not it's, it's a squat turn, but it's not called a poop turn. I will I will I will make sure you view that. The gays would not have any part of it. <laughs> um and gays love wolves, right? Like it's like right. lions, tigers, bears, and wolves, right? Like that's what gays call themselves now. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, so be doing that and kind of bringing that into my drag and like that sports background has been really fun. I do want to do some like juggling and heels. See if I, if I can do that. Um, there's a lot of things to kind of explore with this. I like love Megan Rapinoe and like um, I now I've kind of put it on myself maybe by the time this airs, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I do want to do a Megan Rapinoe tribute because she is just like this icon that makes me like just so happy. Like her and Nastia Lukin just make me so happy and i think that drag should represent the people that we look up to most female athletes have long been forgotten because of their perceived masculinity mm -hmm. and i am so excited to bring them like to the forefront of, in my drag um because I, i'm gonna like cry right now i'm like so happy <laughs> uh, but yeah like i i love i love sports and i am really excited to be able to bring that into a drag and performer career because it's created who i am today
Yeah, and um, there are more and more athletic drag queens um, being publicized nowadays. <laughs> Season 13 right now, Denali came in that damn workroom on ice skates. And I was like, Fuck. how, bitch? How? Like, and, and then I went to her Instagram page. She is doing like all, she is flawless flawless on them damn skates is like that's what i want that's what i want more representation of we i guess we're drag queens but we can flip bitch we can turn we can do all this type of stuff like she shout outs to denali hopefully she comes on the show but we'll see oh my god please have her please <laughs> she is my i haven't so i liked jan last season she was like my number one mm -hmm. um jan stan i uh yeah. i was like the director of a nonprofit for a period of time when I lived in San Francisco and we had Jan before she was on Drag Race, like two years before. Oh yes, bitch. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> met Jan then, huge fan. Um, didn't know that she was a soccer player. We didn't talk about that, wish we did. Um, but she got to kind of talk about her story a little bit of being a soccer player on Drag Race as well. So I was very happy with that. But like Denali has this like, there is a competitive nature, competitive spirit that you have as, a, as an athlete, especially as a gay athlete, always having to prove something. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm very excited to see Denali not just on the show, but what she does beyond because someone like that should really be at the forefront of like mainstream sports. Like they should have Denali commentating on a lot of professional ice skating events because you want that, you want that like pizzazz that drag brings, but you want someone who knows the sport. Yes. Can you imagine her talking like doing the Olympics in Japan in 2021 in drag judging the like commentating the the ice skating? I can and I want it. I can and I want it. Yes, that's what that's what give the children what they need, honey. Give the children what they need. <laughs> get Adam Rippon, get Denali, and have the two of them just like doing it. You heard that idea here first. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we need this. Let's make this work. Anybody, let's pull some connections, Sid. Um, if you're listening to this episode. <laughs> you know we should make we should put that in for the sound bite that we put online. Yes. um yeah i'm i'm down for it totally uh so what what do you see yourself like how do you envision yourself in your drag and to maintain your athletic background let people see it do you have aspirations for drag race uh what do you have coming up down the pike like tell me about that drag is one of those things where you have a million maybe a million goals yeah it's like a million goals that you're all running out to at the same time yes um Drag Race obviously is something that is such a great platform to be on. Um, I think it would be great to be a part of that. Um, you know, we'll see what the future holds. Um, yeah. How's I've always loved, what was that? <laughs> How's your sewing? Are you going to be ready for the sewing challenge? That is what everyone always asks. Um, and as it so happens, I can sew a leotard in 90 minutes, which I'm yeah. very proud of. Hopefully yeah. getting that down to 60. Um, and like I'm doing sewing projects this weekend, if that gives you any indication. There we go. Um, I love yeah, it. it's it's a good thing to know how to do. Mm -hmm. um, and then like, I've always loved Saturday Night Live. Like Saturday Night Live comedians have always been my stand. I do like a Sarah, Sarah Palin impersonation. And with Sarah Palin's upcoming 2022 Senate campaign, likely mm -hmm. um, a dream is to be on SNL doing Sarah Palin with Tina Fey. Like that, um, right? Just shitting glitter all over that fucking stage. Go Dude. America. Dude. Yeah, no America. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yes, I I'm gonna manifest that for you right now. <laughs> Putting that good juju in the air. 
That's amazing, man. I, yeah, and then you, like I mentioned with Denali and commentating for um, uh, for ice skating, I don't have a lot of gen- like gymnastics accreditations. I really, really don't. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. if I got to commentate on anything with Nastia Lukin, that would be a dream come true. Nastia, if you listen to anything um, that I put out and <laughs> didn't see my constructive criticisms on your YouTube channel, um, <laughs> I would love that. Um, that's obviously like another another great idea, dream. But I would love to be able to mend those worlds um, together in some way. Um, that's that's amazing, and uh, I think we all, anybody, everybody listening to this podcast episode, will all be seeing more Polly Pop Tart in the future. I do have to ask this question because I ask everybody this question mm-hmm. on my podcast: What do you think needs to happen for us to improve LGBTQ inclusion in sports? Um, based off of your own experience with homophobia in sports and uh, the coaches really not having your back, what do you think we need to do? I think that coaches are kind of what it comes down to. I think that you lead a team by example and the things that you allow on your team and the things that you don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that anytime that you are talking to youth, uh, you recognize that a portion of them will go on to whatever the next step is for sports. And the rest of them will have memories of sports in their minds for the rest of their lives. And I think that that piece becomes really important to hearing stories like mine and like others have had in how coaches and coaching lasts on after that. Um, So I think that it's important for coaches to um, hear stories of challenge and also triumph um, from queer people and and let that sit with them. I don't wanna be prescriptive about this, but I think that um, listening and letting things sit is, um, it, it, it creates trust, um, trust that trust from queer people that you are hearing us and trust from, um, from coaches that, that they will, that they don't want that to happen, right? Like they don't want those things to be experienced, um, through them and the team that they coach. Awesome answer. And, uh, hopefully one day, uh, don't put me out of business y'all, but <laughs> hopefully one day we don't need to ask that question. You know, that is just, what is that? All right. Yeah. Everybody, I have like five people on my team that are gay like, okay, whatever. And I think <laughs> we're getting there, you know, uh, especially yeah. the new generation, gen X, Y, Z, uh, to the T, everything, whatever, whatever we're calling them nowadays. I can't keep up with all the generation names. There's a lot of, there's a lot of alphabets going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, um, Polly, thank you so, so much for your time. I will not end this episode without, uh, letting our listeners know where they can find your content because they need to see it. Tell me where they can find your TikTok, Instagram, learn more about you, spill all your little, uh, your social media handles for me right now. So I'm Polly Pop-Tart with one L and two T's. Oh yeah, two T's. Mm-hmm. Um, on all platforms, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, YouTube is a monetized platform for those of you who don't know. So any subscription there is very appreciated. I do some um, full length comedy skits, including one titled Homo HMO, Healthcare for Homosexuals, which I highly recommend for any of you out there uh, who are gay or lgbt or just like love gay stuff <laughs> i love it and uh i have seen it and you will you will laugh out loud it is really funny um please support my girl polly okay but i end this as well 
be please be true be you and be fierce everybody live your truth come on out if you want to if not it's not your time that's fine too but eventually your truth be you and be happy okay all right y'all take care